Vinci's not only going to another planet, but it's going to smell and taste the Venus atmosphere while collecting more images of Venus surface than all of the missions combined. Welcome back to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. NASA has selected two new missions to Venus, Earth's nearest planetary neighbor. We're kicking off our podcast for 2022 with a two-part series on the Venus missions, Da Vinci and Veritas starting with a conversation with Da Vinci Lead Project Systems Engineer, Mike Sikarik. You may remember Mike from our Lucy episode a few months ago. Mike, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Dina, so happy to be back. It's been over 30 years since NASA has visited Venus. What do we know about the planet? You're right. It has been a while since NASA sent a mission to Venus. We had the Pioneer Venus probes in 1978 that had an atmospheric probe, and Magellan was a radar mapper in 1989, and that was the last NASA-led mission, but it hasn't been completely ignored. I mean, ESA has had Venus Express and JAXA at Aksuki, uh, but Mars really has dominated the you know, planetary exploration in the late 90s. But... Venus is so much more similar to Earth with its comparable size and mass, and but our planets took two very different planetary evolution paths, and that's something that we really want to try to understand. You know, think about it. The, the Venus surface conditions are 95 atmospheres of pressure. It's almost 100 times the pressure of Earth. There's thick carbon dioxide atmosphere with sulfuric acid clouds, and the surface temperature is about 480 degrees C, or about 900 degrees Fahrenheit, hot enough to melt lead. So that'll both crush you, melt you, and burn you with acid, which is a great place to spend a vacation. So how did our twin planet go down such a different path than Earth? And those are the types of things that we we do already know from the missions that have gone there from from all over the world, including the, the former Soviet Union had a lot of missions, but there's still so much more uh, that we need to learn uh, about Venus. And so what we want to try to understand with these missions is how it evolved. Um, there's been a, there's a lot of volcanic activity on Venus. There are these large plateaus called tessera that are about the size of large states in the United States. Can you imagine a plateau the size of Texas or Alaska? You know, how did they form and what are they made out of? And did Venus, early Venus, have oceans? Was it more hospitable early on, which a lot of scientists think that it was wet and uh, and different environment that it is today. So that's what we want to try to avoid is how Venus went down that path and hopefully how we can make sure Earth doesn't go down that same path. What are some of the unknowns or the mysteries about Venus that could prompt discoveries by the Da Vinci mission? Well, Venus is, is it's shrouded in clouds. It's shrouded in mystery, literally with this thick atmosphere that it has. Again, this carbon, this very thick carbon dioxide atmosphere. So one of the, the, the things that Da Vinci is going to do is with this atmospheric probe is that we're going to drop a probe down in, into the deep atmosphere of Venus. And Da Vinci is an acronym. It stands for the Deep Atmosphere Venus Investigation of Noble Gases, Chemistry, and Imaging. And as the name implies, we are going to actually drop a probe down through the atmosphere and sample the atmosphere all the way down, uh, all the way down to the surface, and especially the deep atmosphere around less than 16 kilometers. And that's where 66% of the atmospheric masses, and to date, 
with all the missions that have been there, we don't have any definitive in situ data from that region, but it holds a lot of the information about the atmosphere and orbital sensing just can't get it because it's too thick. They're mostly blind to what's going on in that region. We'll actually sample that with our descent probe. And so we'll help answer some of the questions about how the atmosphere formed and how it evolved. And that has a lot of implications for other planets outside of our solar system that it could be in the habitable zone. We'll look at some of the history of the water abundance on Venus and did it have oceans? Our measurements will help answer some of those critical questions. And of course, you know, those who follow the Venus news, phosphine was quite a bit in the news in 2021 and his potential implications for what it can mean about conditions on Venus and and potentially life. And we're not going to go there, but we will make some measurements that will help with the phosphine discussion uh, within the atmosphere. And we'll be taking images, far more images that have ever been taken with all the other missions combined of the actual surface itself. Again, because of cloud cover, you can't take images from orbit of the actual surface. Um, and we'll be able to help constrain some of the geologic history and the weathering uh, with those images that we take during our descent as we descend upon um, Alpha Regio, which is a large tessera about the size of Alaska. Uh, it's about 1,500 kilometers across and about a kilometer higher than the than the surrounding terrain. And the last thing, and this is the thing actually I, I, is really excites me the most, is that its implications to exoplanets. Some of the scientists call Venus the exoplanet next door because as we're discovering more uh, exoplanets with all these different exploration platforms, a lot of them are very are closer into their stars and uh, could be very, very similar to Venus. So understanding Venus will help us with that exoplanet exploration, especially with the, uh, the exciting launch and deployment with James Webb and the data that's going to bring will be very complementary to that. Let's dig in to Da Vinci details. Yeah, so the Da Vinci flight system is a really, really exciting engineering endeavor. So we call it the flight system, which is the part that, that goes into space, but it's actually two uh, two separate components. The The flight part of it, the flight system, is composed of the Carrier Relay Imaging Spacecraft, or CRIS. That's the spacecraft that takes the part that goes into the atmosphere. The part that goes into the atmosphere is called the Probe Flight System. And that probe flight system itself has two other components, which is the entry system to get the, to get the probe through the atmosphere, and then the descent sphere itself, which is about a one meter diameter titanium sphere that's packed full of sensors that descends through the atmosphere to take all these really critical measurements of the Venus atmosphere. So inside that one meter uh, diameter titanium sphere, We've got the Venus mass spectrometer um, that'll be looking at noble gases um, as well as isotopes. We have the Venable tunable laser spectrometer, uh, which will be measuring water and oxygen and sulfur and phosphine. We have the Venus atmosphere structure investigation. That's going to be looking at the pressure and temperatures and, and the wind structure that'll help us understand what's going on in the atmosphere physically. Um, and then we have the Venus descent imager, and that's going to be taking images below the clouds all the way down to the surface. And then finally, on the descent sphere, we have the uh, Venus oxygen fugacity, which is a student collaboration experiment to actually measure the partial pressure of oxygen. So within that, that packed within that one meter diameter sphere, we have these uh, five instrument packages um, that'll be collecting critical data that all get beamed up to the CRIS, the, the carrier relay imaging spacecraft that's flying by Venus that'll then beam that data back, uh, back to Earth. But oh wait, there's more. Because on CRIS, there's also two instruments, which is the uh, the Venus Imaging System for Observational Reconnaissance that'll be measuring ultraviolet and near-infrared, 
as well as QVIS, which is a compact ultraviolet invisible imaging spectrometer. So count them, seven payloads on a Discovery-class mission, five going into the atmosphere and two uh, on board the spacecraft that will be taking images during our Venus gravity assists uh, throughout the mission. So there's a lot of science that we're going to be gathering, both in-situ chemistry as well as remote sensing, all packed into the Da Vinci mission. Oh, wow. You can see why the science community is so excited about this mission. What's the mission timeline? So we were selected in uh, June of 2021, um, and our launch date is June 2nd of 2029. So that's eight years from selection to launch. It was a little bit longer than we prefer, but with NASA budgeting headquarters that ask us to push off our launch date a little bit. So we launched June 2nd of 2029, and our first Venus gravity assist is on January 17th of 2030. And during that Venus gravity assist, uh, we'll be doing near-infrared imaging of Alpha Regio. Uh, so we'll be getting some imaging of the target that we'll be dropping the descent sphere off on a later flyby. We'll also be getting some day-side ultraviolet imaging with Visor and QVIS. Um, and so we'll be getting a lot of data right, uh, right after, uh, shortly after launch which is very unusual for a planetary science mission. Uh, within six months, we'll be getting level one science being beamed back to Earth. On Venus gravity assist number two, flyby number two, on November 15th of 2030, we're going to do near-infrared imaging of four other tessera, as well as more ultraviolet uh, day-side imaging. And then finally, on June 22nd of 2031, during the Venus gravity assist number three, during that flyby, is when we'll drop off the probe flight system which will then go into the atmosphere and then release that descent sphere uh, that'll continue all the way down to the surface of Venus. At this stage in development of the mission, what are you focused on? So after selection, we're we're formally in phase B, and in, in NASA parlance, phase B is part of the uh, preliminary design phase, a formulation phase. And so we're doing all of our preliminary design work leading up to a preliminary design review in 2025. And so the way NASA does their missions, we have uh, two different rounds of design reviews before we actually go into build and fabricate, assemble, and test the uh, the flight hardware and launch it. So we're doing a preliminary design review in, in 2025. Um, so a lot of time we're focusing right now is we're building up our team. You know, as I mentioned, we have uh, seven different uh, payloads on board the spacecraft. We have a large number of partners that we are teaming up with uh, for this mission uh, all across the country. So we're putting the leaders in place and putting the leadership structure in place for how we're going to do this development. We're also doing a lot of requirements development right now. Um, so we're solidifying what we call the level one requirements. And what those are is the primary science requirements. of We're signing an agreement essentially with NASA headquarters of these are uh, the science that we will deliver. We formalize that what's called a program level requirements appendix. And that basically tells science headquarters, these are the science measurements that we are going to get and how we'll advance the planetary science. And so we're, we're developing those uh, right now. And just, to kind of give you an example for how that, that process works, let's say we want to understand those atmospheric sources and losses and that atmospheric formation evolution process. Well, to do that, we need to take atmospheric samples and measure isotopic ratios and noble gases to uh, you know, a certain level of pre uh, precision. And from that, we then determine that we need the Venus mass spectrometer. And that's how we derive a lot of the lower level requirements and lower level design details. That's how we call requirements flow down so we know what to build at the lowest level. And so that's what we're working on right now, as well as we're doing um, some risk reduction by looking at what we think are the biggest technical challenges that may pose schedule or cost risks and putting upfront resources there to try to buy those down. 
um, is what we're working out at this point in the mission. What do you see as the major engineering challenges? Well, one of the major engineering challenges that we have is that the uh, descent sequence is a one-time only event, and the data collected by the descent sphere has to be successfully transmitted to the spacecraft and relayed to Earth for us to get this exciting uh, in-situ data that the uh, Da Vinci descent sphere is going to acquire. And so that descent sequence is a very carefully designed and will be a thoroughly tested uh, series of events uh, for the descent sphere during, it'll be approximately one hour descent through the uh, the Venusian atmosphere. So first, the probe flight system separates from CRIS, which is that carrier relay spacecraft, about two days before uh, the descent of the atmosphere. And CRIS is constantly tracking it with the, the two meter high gain antenna using a two-way uh, S-band link. And then entry begins at about 145 kilometers, which is what we call the atmospheric entry interface, where there's a blackout period due to the plasma. And then the pilot chute deploys, uh, pulls off the back shell and pulls the descent sphere um, out of the out of the uh, entry, the thermal protection system, uh, which is the, the protective shield that gets it through the atmosphere and the main chute is deployed. So at that point, the descent sphere is descending through the atmosphere on the main parachute. And there we open up ingestion ports um, that allows to, um, the descent sphere to actually bring in some of the Venus atmosphere inside the instruments, inside VTLS and VMS in the atmosphere that allows them to take those critical uh, spectrometer measurements. And it does continue to take those throughout the entire descent. About 32 minutes after uh, atmospheric entry at about 38 kilometers above the surface is when the main chute separates and we start our terminal descent uh, down to the Venus surface. You know, at that point, the, the Vendi camera is acquiring images below the clouds all the way down to touchdown. Now, you may think that we're just falling, but don't think of it the same way it is on Earth. Because of the thickness of the atmosphere, the descent sphere going through that thick atmosphere is, is more like a pebble falling down through a pond than it is what you would picture on Earth. And then we go down and touch the Venus surface. Now, we don't have a requirement to survive on the surface after touchdown, but there's nothing that says that we won't. And if we do, we can continue transmitting data for some short period of time afterwards until the spacecraft is over the horizon. So those are some of the major engineering challenges that we're, that we're facing with that descent sequence. But our team, I know, is up to the task uh, for us to design and test and execute this complex mission. Well, and we had the privilege of chatting with you back in October about the Lucy mission, and congratulations on the successful launch of that mission. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, the launch on October 16th of 2021, it was an amazing experience, and we are so excited that Lucy is on her way, and all the instruments have checked out fantastic, and we're looking forward to a, a lot of those uh, asteroid encounters. You know, what's interesting, it's Lucy from launch to when we do the first Trojan encounters about six years, but with Da Vinci from launch to the first science from Venus flyby is only six months. So very different timescales for missions. Oh, for sure. Are there lessons learned from your recent involvement with Lucy or other NASA missions that are coming into play with the Da Vinci mission? Oh, definitely. So one of the things that's already helped us in the planning process is, is, in a lot of the Lucy team members who will also be moving over to Da Vinci is that the Trojan asteroid flybys, they're also single opportunity events. Um, even though we are, for Lucy, are flying by multiple Trojan asteroids, each one we only get one chance at it. So we have to get that right for that encounter sequence to actually get the proper images of the asteroid. And the similar type of philosophy that I was describing with the descent sphere that we only have one chance. 
So with Lucy, we created special tests and we developed certain uh, development products and other documentation uh, to make sure that we were successful since we don't get a second chance. And that mentality and, that, and those processes and those the idea of those special tests and special personnel designed to lead those special unique events will help us as we go forward in planning uh, DaVinci and its one-time only events as well. Well, Mike, with NASA gearing up for a pair of Venus missions, does the DaVinci team coordinate or work with the Veritas team? Oh, certainly. I mean, we were really excited that in that announcement in June that the Veritas mission led by JPL was also selected. There was a lot of complementary science that we're going to get um, from what they're doing for their, their mapping as well as our in-situ measurements. So we are already uh, starting to work with them and setting up special meetings where we look at, at synergy, both from the science standpoint as well as the engineering standpoint. So we'll definitely be working together and excited to be teaming up with them. Uh, but also NASA is collaborating on the ESA mission Envision that was also selected. Uh, now, while both Veritas and Envision are orbers um, with radar payloads, DaVinci the only one will enter the atmosphere. But all three of those missions will provide a lot of great new data on Venus. And, and I think we're really entering an exciting age of Venus exploration with all three of these missions uh, going off at approximately the same time. And so it, the science community, the Venus science community has been asking for this for, for years. And they're, they're definitely, their patience is definitely going to pay off with what all all three of these missions working together are going to bring. And the Da Vinci mission also includes technology demonstration. Could you fill us in? Yeah, so we have, it's actually two different uh, uh, unique payloads of those seven uh, that I think are, are worth discussing for uh, its, its uniqueness. And that is the Compact Ultraviolet Divisible Image Spectrometer, or QVIS, um, is a spectrometer which are typically large you know, in, and very expensive and complicated instruments. But with QVIS, we're gonna use freeform optics as well as artificial intelligence for onboard data reduction that really should allow uh, simplification and shrinking of the uh, of spectrometers to be used on possibly smaller spacecraft. So this really is a groundbreaking spectrometer technology demonstration for what it could mean for spectrometers on future missions. But we also have a student collaboration experiment, um, which is the Venus Oxygen Fugacity. And that's going to be a sensor that's designed and built by college students. That's going to be on the exterior surface that ascends sphere that'll measure the partial pressure uh, of oxygen during during descent, um, which is going to be a great opportunity for outreach and to help build you know, the next round of planetary scientists as well as planetary engineers. What attracted you to the Da Vinci mission? Well, planetary missions are you know, are my passion, which is why I sought out the Lucy mission as well as sought out the Da Vinci mission when those engineering opportunities came up. And 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 Da Vinci is not only going to another planet, but it's going to smell and taste the Venus atmosphere while collecting more images of Venus surface than all of the missions combined. And so, you know, if that doesn't get you exciting as as you know a, a planetary mission designer, nothing will. And but also the technical challenges operating that harsh Venus environment that I described with the pressure, the temperature, and the sulfuric acid clouds, you know, is is an engineering challenge that's really excited, exciting to, uh, to to jump into, as well as you know, the ability to look up at the night sky and say that's where we're going next. Since Venus is the the brightest object in the night sky after the moon, you look at it, point at it, and say, you know, we're we're going there. But really, most of these missions are about the team and the opportunity to work with so many partners that you know that I've worked with before, um, including Lockheed Martin, JPL. APL, NASA Langley, NASA Ames, Kinetics, 
Mainland Space Science Systems and University of Michigan, which is where I did my PhD. Um, really excited to have all these members on one team together. And, and it's the passionate and the talented team of people that we're putting together to make these amazing missions happen. And I'm really proud to be being the engineering lead of this group. Getting to be part of this team and the passion that you have for these kinds of missions, did you get to be part of selecting the name for the mission? <laughs> well, so Da Vinci actually went through uh, two different rounds. Um, the the first round of the discovery, you know, the competed discovery missions, uh, Da Vinci narrowly lost out to Lucy um, in the 2017 selection from the 2014 discovery round that were selected in 2017. And so um, that's when the name was originated. And then it was so close to being selected that we then resubmitted it for this discovery round and it was ultimately selected with Veritas. So um, I didn't get to select it, but um, we are... are Principal investigator uh, Jim Garvin, um, who you know is, is well known within the planetary science community, you know one of his idols is Leonardo da Vinci, and so uh, you know he had a he had a hand in naming that for that famous Renaissance artist. Oh, that's fun! This has been enjoyable talking with you today. I really do appreciate you being on the show, Mike. Thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here, and, and looking forward to be able to provide updates as we develop this exciting mission to Venus. Are there any closing thoughts? Ah, just look up at the night sky and say, Venus, we're coming for you. And you can learn more about the Venus missions via links on our website at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast. Mike's bio and a show transcript are also available. In the second part of our Venus series, we'll shift our attention to the Veritas mission and chat with Project Systems Engineer John Brophy. That episode is set to drop Wednesday, February 9th, and we'll look forward to connecting with you then. In the meantime, if you have ideas for future guests and topics, please let us know on Twitter at NASA Apple, that's A-P-P-E-L, and use the hashtag SmallStepsGiantLeaps. As always, thanks for listening.